Welcome to Enemies from War to Wisdom. Why do we need enemies? From intimate relationships to politics, tribalism, and community, we cannot seem to stop dehumanizing each other. Chronic conflicts in our families, societies, and nations seem inevitable. In this podcast, we analyze human hostilities from the most mundane to the most sophisticated. We apply psychology, psychoanalysis, art, spirituality, and relational theory in conversation about belonging and otherness. Each program will reach for a fresh wisdom that shows us how to step back from creating enemies in our lives. I'm your host, Eleanor Johnson, a videographer and artist with Emma Troop, an experimental theater group in New York City, and I am here with my co-host, Polly Young Eisendratt, who is a psychologist, Jungian analyst, author, and speaker. We approach our ideas each from our own worlds, but always from the spirit and teaching of Buddhism, of which we are lifelong practitioners. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about real dialogue, rules, and realities. I think we all recognize real dialogue. It results from people speaking for themselves, not each other, listening to each other and learning from each other. It leads to creative thinking and the discovery of new ideas. It helps with problem solving, negotiation, gives us new insights and knowledge that comes from the depth of true human contact. Mutual discovery, not individual discovery, is at the heart of real dialogue. It is surprising, open, synergistic, not circular or closed. Hello, Polly. So let's begin with with, um, helping our listeners uh, unpack real dialogue. Thank you, Eleanor. I think you said it very well there. The things that we've been talking about, the differences between, say, aggression and anger, and the importance of how we work with speech, the way that we talk to ourselves and the way we talk to each other, all of those components go into preparation for actually using what we're going to call real dialogue, which is a certain form of conversation that we need to use only when we're in the kind of conflict that is emotionally agitating. Mm -hmm. So we're going to say that real dialogue is actually a method using speech and inquiry to go through a process of allowing people who would otherwise perhaps become enemies or who are already in some sort of difficult conflict, either because of the things they believe or the things they've done to each other, that would allow those people to begin to make some sort of inroad into mutual discovery, into finding out about each other's point of view with the goal of at least clearing the space so they could hear, actually opening those ears Mm -hmm. to hearing each other, and so they can speak for themselves, Mm -hmm. and then possibly discovering some common ground so that they could begin to work back and forth on finding a solution to whatever the conflict is that involves both sides. So that's the goal of Real Dialogue is to go into a process, a conversational process, with somebody who really, truly pushes your buttons and with whom you have an agitating disagreement and then come out the other end of that with a discovery that you could not have imagined because it needed both people. And so we're back to um, 
uh, from, you know, enemies from war to wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's the method. Yeah, that's it. To move from yeah. Yeah. the war potential yeah. to the yeah. wisdom potential yeah. so that that conflict, which is threatening and alienating or fragmenting, gradually leads to a process of mutual discovery that could bring about a solution that is unimaginable because neither of the two opposing parties could imagine it on their own. So it requires the synergy of moving through that conflict. So yes, you're right. Real dialogue puts together the sort of bigger point of the podcast, which is, can we move from this kind of repetitive conflict fragmentation into wisdom, which would be a discovery that we could not have made uh, from simply individual knowledge or whatever. So, um, so that's what real dialogue is. And then there's a method and there are rules for it and there are ways to do it. And, um, you know, I want to talk about the way that you and I have seen or thought about our podcast developing over time so that it becomes the home for real dialogue. It becomes the public arena, the public home for this way of creating mutual witnessing right. while you are in agitating emotional conflict. Right. It creates an extraordinary mirror for learning, doesn't it? And right. self-reflection. Right. Well, yeah. and the, the opportunity for discovery. Exactly. So, you know, that, so that's what our podcast has been moving towards. And we're now maturing to the point that we can begin to talk about um, what we really want to do on the podcast uh, over the coming months and years. Would you like me to kind of introduce that or do you want to say I, something well, about I think, it? I, I think it would be good for you to talk about, you know, the vision that you have. It's been unfolding, um, but it would, I think it'd be very interesting for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you share the yeah. vision with me. Yeah. No, I do, but I mean, I but all the details <laughs> yes, <laughs> make right. me so nervous. Right. Okay. I'm learning. Right, yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning to practice like, real dialogue. Right. That's right. And not you're going to be learning no. to facilitate real dialogue. Not to shake too much of my boots on here. the podcast. Yes. So, what we're going to be doing on the podcast is where Eleanor and I will be going out doing a podcast with a guest on one side of an issue or conflict uh, and exploring that person's point of view in depth uh, and going in particularly on the kinds of issues that we're interested in, which really have to do with uh, what you might call the edges or the, let's say, people could call them opposites or you could call them the components of the extremes. So we're, we're going to go out and interview one person who has a really important perspective and a strong point of view. And then we're going to interview another person who has the opposite or conflicting strong point of view or on the opposite side of a conflict. And I've, we're going to embody disarmament. Disarmament, yes. We're going to go out with all of our kindness and all of our kind internal talk and all of our kind external talk. And um, so after we interview each of these two guests that has opposing views, 
then we will ask them, and of course the invitation will include all of these steps. We'll ask them to listen to the other's interview, and then we will bring the two together on the podcast, and we will absolutely insist that they follow the rules and the format of Real Dialogue, which I'm about to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so as the podcast goes on, we are going to explore those very areas that are in our intro that say that we are addressing what is it Eleanor well you um, were you were you know uh, people who are poised to be enemies those who are opposed to each other who have been hurt or rejected by each other so we so, are talking yes. about all of the different levels of polarization right and we're talking about so let me just emphasize opposed to each other right. so we're opposed going to, to be talking other. to people who are opposed to each other either so by those, their beliefs or their values or their um or sometimes actually their knowledge you know uh, for example one thing i'd like to investigate is um what is consciousness and I'd like to talk to somebody who says consciousness comes from the brain. We just don't know where it comes from, but we're absolutely certain that it's connected to those neurons, that massive, you know, sort of galaxy of neurons that's in the brain. And then I want to talk to somebody else who says consciousness is a dynamic field. It, it cannot be in the brain. It's between people and beings. It's not inside. And, you know, that's uh, one of these debates or opposing views that interests me very much. And I think it will be not so hard to find an expert on both sides of that. Well, I think it just has extraordinary benefits. And when you think about what's going on in our world today, where nobody can talk with each other without creating that polarization or just being in the explosion of all those trigger points. Yeah. So no one's hearing each other and we're not we're not coming up with any creative solutions to huge problems yeah. that face us as a people and a culture. And and if we could I mean this is so 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 healthy. So well, wonderfully yeah. radical. Well, we I haven't mean, done it yet. Know, we're so, just imagining it's, it's, it. It's so, it's so, what an evolutionary leap. It will, it will be. We're hoping so. And so, you know, we would be talking Spiritual to... Spiritual warriors. <laughs> well, let's... I don't know. But we will be talking to people who have opposing views and then we'll first be introducing them to each other mm-hmm. by having them listen to each other's interviews, and then bringing them onto the podcast together, and they will have to follow the rules of real dialogue in order to engage with each other in a way that we really assume will be mutually beneficial. Well, they will come out with right. ideas and points of view that right. they never imagined were possible right. Right. because they have been insulated on one side of this dynamic. And we may also be talking to people that have had real conflict and felt hurt and rejected by each other. So that people who have either worked together or worked on projects together uh, and have found themselves in painful and difficult conflict. So those are the people that we're going to be bringing on the show and we're going to teach them what we're now going to talk about, which is what is real dialogue and uh, what's the form of it, and what does it actually feel like, sort of, you know, in one's experience when one is in it. So, um, 
let me say some things about it because it comes from, of course, dialogue therapy for couples, right, right. which I've been doing for right, years and right. been training it and supervising yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. And um, and there's always so much pain and wounding involved in in that work. In couple relationship, in couple, yes, couple relationship, couple relationship yeah. is where you find yeah. much of the hatred in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. because people get so disappointed right. in that partner. And uh, they feel so betrayed mm-hmm. when um, the trusted partner fails them. And often it's particularly fails to witness them, to get them, to see, hear, and feel them as they experience themselves. And so um, from doing dialogue therapy, I recognized that we could take the format for actual dialogue and bring it into the public domain and use it pretty much in the same way we do in dialogue therapy, except that we won't be taking a relational history of the two people that we're bringing on the show, because probably they wouldn't have any relationship at all, actually. Um, Although maybe they've had a conflictual one. That's also possible. Uh, But so, you know, the real dialogue on on our podcast will begin with the very first rule, which is that you speak for yourself. And that means that you make statements that, very much indicate your own, let's call it subjectivity. So instead of saying something like, the fact is, you say, I have the impression that this is a fact. Instead of saying, well, we all know that, uh, you know, carbon fuels have created difficulty for the environment. You say, I believe that carbon fuels have created difficulty for the environment. So you go back to speaking for yourself, which is actually a speech practice. And it is not easy for people to do that because often people don't know how to say something that they regard as objective from a subjective point of right. view. Right. You know, they want right. to make it objective right, right. away. Right. And, right. and because of that, then the two people will start to fight right. about whether that is really an objective fact. And then they'll usually go to evidence. Oh, there's this evidence and that evidence. And so pretty soon all they're doing is protecting their own position because they feel threatened emotionally and they're fighting about this thing that they believe is objective. And so actually real dialogue begins with the subjective. It begins with the statement, here's how I experience this, here's how I see this, here's what I remember, here's the impression I have. That doesn't mean that there are no objective facts. It simply means that when you are in a repetitive, difficult conflict and you're speaking for yourself, you are not an expert at bringing out objectivity. So there's there's not going to be any kind of statement like this is a fact. It's going to be here's the way I see the facts or this is the impression I have or this is the way I'm understanding this science no. or whatever. So right away when you speak for yourself, it gives a modesty it does, to the yes. statement. And it, it, it involves you, you have a relationship with your own consciousness, but you're also, there's a kindness in that. There's a tremendous kindness in that, but also a tremendous skill. Yes, well, it does take skill. And, and I find that people have to learn it, even if they believe they're doing it. They often are sneaking in something that they're trying to prove rather than saying, here's the way I see it. Now, 
something else about speaking for yourself is not obvious to people, which is that whatever discoveries have been made over time have been made through the human perceptual system. Nothing has been discovered or invented without humans actually working together to do it. And so our subjective experience is the lens that we use to investigate whatever we're investigating. So the way that we see and hear and feel and taste and touch those uh, and think, those, let's say, avenues or gates are the only openings we have. We don't have some other opening. So it's a good idea to pay attention to the modesty of your own perspective and recognizing that um, nobody gets the bigger picture. We arrive at bigger pictures by working with each other and often in areas where there's uh, opposition or conflict, uh, we arrive at that bigger picture only if we can work, work with each other. So that very first rule of speaking for yourself is a pretty big one, even though it sounds on the surface like using I statements. That's the way it sounds, but it's much bigger than that. Well, also to be able to have awareness around your own projection, the, the, the lack of clarity that's there when you're out projecting it on the other, you're not hearing, you're not hearing what's really going on. Well, you can only actually discover what is true about any impression you have about another person by first stating what you actually, what your impression is and then asking them, That's is that true? true? You know, and so you might have the impression, for example, that, you know, if you're in a debate with someone, you may have the impression that um, they um, distort their data, let's say, but you actually would need to say that quite directly. Like, I have the impression mm. you lie about your findings. Uh, tell me about that. Is it true? Um, now, you might say, well, if the person is a liar, they're going to lie back to you. But as you explore what your impression is, you might find that the other person tells you something that you'd never imagined because as you check it out, they say, no, in fact, I've investigated this in this way. So it looks to you like I've distorted it, but actually it's like this. So by stating what, you, what you're calling a projection is really when you state to the other person where you disagree, you don't believe them, and you find them to be false or you find them to be problematic. And if you make that as an I statement, then you have to take responsibility for it in the conversation. If you make it as a you statement, what happens is the other person will defend sure. themselves and you'll get into active or passive aggression. So if you make it as an I statement and you begin to investigate it, you have to stand for that statement and you have to be able to say why you have that impression. So again, investigating something like projections into the other person becomes only possible when you can speak about what it is that you suspect uh, in the other person, well, and you speak from an I statement. Right, and also, I mean, when, when, when we're caught in, 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 in projection, oftentimes we don't know we're caught in projection. Well, typically, of course, we, we don't because yeah. it's, it's unconscious yeah, and exactly, we wouldn't be using exactly, it. It's a, it's exactly. a way to protect ourselves. Yeah. So there's something, so, too, in, the, in terms of skill. And just, you know, and, and as I'm here with you, it just I find myself going into deeper and deeper listening 
because you know it's like my mind is all over the place like thinking about so many different things in response to what you're saying but to just allow myself to just keep listening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just keep mm-hmm. listening you know and mm-hmm. that that yeah and you've witnessed um me and the training for dialogue therapy you've witnessed these dialogues that we've done with couples you've seen couples in severe conflict well that's where i've seen the kind of awakening to the fact that they're out projecting on the other Mm -hmm. their own emotional upset or 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 they're locked in their well their own emotional character yeah or they they can't they're 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 hostage they're bound by their sense of betrayal or all of those really deep deep emotions and they're real and if you begin with a you statement like this weekend a woman in the program was talking about how offended she was by her mother's fundamentalism her mother apparently you know had first been non-fundamentalist christian and then became a fundamentalist and so this woman was saying, you know, I'm, I, I am just so offended by people being fundamentalists that I cannot listen to them talk. And I said, oh, so you're a fundamentalist. Because as soon as you actually see in the other person the flaw that you are so opposed to, you're usually actually embodying that flaw yourself and so in order to pull that apart you have to recognize i perceive this rather than it is this way right and so i am emotionally agitated when somebody begins to speak about a fundamentalist position but if i can speak simply for myself and be interested in the other person I might find that their position is not as fundamentalist as my own right? because I've been protecting and guarding myself. So that I statement is skillful. It is also necessary in real dialogue. And it's difficult to come by when you're in a true conflict. So you and I will be coaching our guests and we will also be essentially policing the dialogue so that we won't allow a guest to say you are we. We will bring it back to, to I. I. So that, you know, say that in terms of yourself, not in terms of the other person or the two of us together, the two people together. So that first rule of speaking for yourself is very, very fundamental to real dialogue. It's and like you can also find out a lot about yourself when you get caught by all your judgments. Well, you know, and you is, start pointing a finger and yeah. this way, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. you start to learn a lot about yourself when you, when you have a commitment to, to become more conscious or more. And when you know, somebody to, stops yeah. you from using a yeah. you statement, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. even there, instead of saying, you know, you said you start to learn a yeah. lot about your, and I know you meant you yeah. in the general, yeah. Yeah. but I think probably you so, could say, I start to learn a lot about right. myself. Exactly. So you're not when talking I'm, generally, you're talking, you just take responsibility by bringing it back to yourself to yourself and so the first rule then is good for yourself (laughs) i'm sure the listeners are that (laughs) speaking for yourself (laughs) and then the second rule and again this is one that many people say yeah i've heard about this i know about this uh it's called paraphrasing sometimes people call it active listening so the first rule we'll say is a practice in speaking the second rule of real dialogue is a practice in hearing. So we were talking about hearing yourself talk to yourself 
and opening your ears to hear the sounds without saying this is noise and that's noise. When you open to all the different sounds, you find that you don't need to sort them out so much. So when you're hearing somebody, when you're in emotional conflict with them and you feel agitated, usually you don't hear them very well. What you listen to instead is what you're saying to yourself because you're preparing to say your response. And so instead of listening to That's what right. the other person is saying, you are listening into your own ears to what you are saying and you're preparing it. And I would say in the height of an emotional conflict, uh, I have seen many, many times very intelligent people hear nothing of what That's the right. other person said That's right. because they are rehearsing their own response instead of listening to what the person is saying. So paraphrasing is a form of mindfulness practice because you have to bring a certain degree of equanimity. That is, you have to accept your own emotional agitation and you have to concentrate on hearing the other person. So you contain and accept your own experience of agitation while you concentrate on hearing the other person. And so it's a mindfulness yeah. activity. I mean, it is, it is, it, it is presence itself, staying in the room. Yeah. You know, not, we're talking about speech, but what about when that, that explosive energy comes in, people run away. They go out of their body. They go out of their emotions. They go away. They run away. Well, but, very often so, they go <laughs> into their own responses more than, I mean, in, <laughs> I would say nine times out of 10, if you're in a conflict with somebody, who, and you're having a feeling of emotional threat, what you are doing is listening to that talk in your right, head that yeah, you said yeah. you had, you know, maybe right, you don't right. think you're, you can even listen to it. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a dialogue, you're going to be rehearsing your part. So you're listening and you're rehearsing and you're not, you're listening into your own head, into your own internal talk, and you're not actually hearing out you're not hearing what the what other person saying, yes. is saying exactly and so what we will do in the real dialogue on the program is that anybody before they respond to any statement they have to first check and and we will help them be able to summarize and say back i don't like the formulation i hear you saying to me that sounds kind of well, blah a, yeah that's you know, a popular so, phrase right yeah. and i i like the idea that that one could say, here's what I'm understanding. Right. I'm listening, and here's what I'm understanding from what you're saying. And in doing that, to try to step into the other person's shoes, because this does not mean you agree with them, right. well, but that, it means you have, you have, you have listened, will, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and that's a mindfulness yeah. exercise, yeah. because you're having to listen out while there's a lot of talk in your head, and there's a lot of emotional agitation going on in your body. And so paraphrasing is not a trivial right. uh, kind of mindfulness exercise. Yeah, it's a mindfulness exercise. Yeah. That's it, right. That's right. And it really tests then whether people can yes. actually hear someone when they are agitated and want to say their piece. So the, that's that second step. And then at the end of paraphrasing, you have to check it out. Did I get it right? And then to be patient enough for the other person to say, 
No, actually, you got about half of it wrong. So let me say it again. Right. And then you have to go through that whole experience again of being agitated, rehearsing your own speech internally, and then seeing if you got it this time. By the time you go through that a couple of times, it's like your ears start to open and you actually are able to concentrate on what the other person is saying while you contain your own emotional experience and you can accept that you have this agitation and that no one has to take that away from you. You can tolerate it and you can hear at the same time. So it reminds me of um, uh, one of my... um, one of the Rinpoche's I'm very close to would often say when conflict would arise, he'd, he would just say, touch it lightly with your mind. Mm-hmm. Touch mm-hmm. it lightly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like trying to balance a piece of cotton cotton wool on the edge of a table. Mm-hmm. Touch it lightly. And that would just, you know, we, we, it would, we, we, we would catch ourselves. And so then you could... That was like a mindfulness moment. Mindfulness moment, yeah. right. But then you can test yourself yes. in the paraphrasing because you'll find out if you touched it That's lightly. That's right, exactly, you know? exactly. So so the nice thing about paraphrasing <laughs> is that it's like having a master teaching you because the other person checks it out. And if it's not well, accurate, a, we'll say it's no. A, it's, it's In many ways, it's undiluted direct experience oh yes it, it is. is it is a wisdom practice it is it is it is a um it is, it is a conscious practice it's a right. mindfulness but it's all right. of those things but yes it's um yeah takes courage so that next so that first step speaking for yourself then paraphrasing checking it out did i get it right and then once you've got it right then you respond and you respond to the other person again with the idea that you are speaking for yourself that here's your position in response to that. Right. And then the other person again has to paraphrase. So going back and forth in this way of speaking for yourself, paraphrasing, responding, what happens is that you develop something that I would call mindful witnessing. There's, there's a kind of a gap that occurs in which you recognize I am having a subjective experience of all of the things I'm saying. This is the way I'm seeing it. Over there is another person having a different subjective experience. And our subjectivity is a whole world of experience. It is, I'm just going to use this terminology, we're hearing out, we're hearing in. We're seeing out, we're seeing in. We're feeling out, that is, we feel the body and all of its dimensions, and we feel into the emotional centers. So this complexity of our subjective world is so much more complex than our cognitions. It's not just a bunch of thoughts. It's actually a whole configuration of experience that is going on, and we are in it. It's like a snow globe that we're in. And when we're agitated, our snow globe has been shaken up and we're very much aware of our own snow globe. So as you develop real dialogue, you start to feel confident that you can stay the course of actually having your own point of view with someone else who has a very different point of view and that you can go back and forth with that so that there can be a discovery process. And that discovery process then becomes, in a way, the precious gift of being able 
to sit and talk with someone who is profoundly in disagreement with you or profoundly in conflict with you or profoundly on the opposite side of the coin. But when you come out of that kind of conversation, you have usually discoveries that you would not have been able ever to find on your own. Because, and then we grow deeper in our capacity to become more human. Well, of course we do, because then we're able to deal with those people that we see as being so opposed to what we believe. And also, we get to learn about how this kind of projection thing that you keep calling out projection, how that works. And what it is usually is a downloading of badness in ourselves into somebody else. And when we have somebody that we take as a public figure, like uh, Trump, for example, we can download a lot of stuff into him and we can do that and then apparently feel more virtuous ourselves. Similarly, when we're in a conflict with another person, we may be downloading, for example, our fundamentalism into the other person feeling that they're the fundamentalist but actually the fundamentalism is coming from our own rigidity. So this, this kind of dialogue, which opens the space between people, and that space is held by speaking for yourself, paraphrasing and responding and keeping open a curiosity. In a certain way, it opens the curiosity. And then it's fascinating to actually be able to explore something that you thought was gonna cause you a lot of pain but turns out to be actually a whole new perspective or a discovery or a way of seeing something. And um, from my point of view, this is the way to proceed when there is a fragmenting conflict that could lead to alienation or war. Mm -hmm. Instead, it leads to wisdom. And so, you know, on the, on the podcast, I hope we'll be showing that path really clearly how a conflict that has been painful and repetitive and could lead to alienation or war can lead instead to a new wisdom that's discovered by this capacity to have real dialogue and then to have this mutual witnessing that ends up with something that those individuals would never have imagined. So that's the way that I see the issue of real dialogue going on the podcast and how does that strike you well you know i've been kind of reflecting as i've been listening to you my own work as an artist and and i'm not a psychologist and when i went in search of the true meaning of peace i knew that to be really fully honest i had to step into war and that i had to find within myself the courage I and mean, of course the 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 curiosity was there but i had to i wrestled with i mean i was dealing with huge themes i was dealing with the holocaust i was dealing with you know the french revolution the the, the great wars i was dealing with all of that violence against human, humanity but i had to bring it back into myself i had to find my own relationship to the enemy i had to when i was working in dachau where i spent a long time um and where I was filming. I remember when I first arrived there that I couldn't go into the camp, but I, I, I just had to keep circumambulating the outer wall. And at one point, and I have this in my film where you just see me leaning my, my ear to the wall, 
you know, and I'm just, it's just this beautiful, very, very strong image. And, and so that was a, that was a great, great awakening in my own life to be able to step through that, all of that horror and so tremendous, this... tremendous historical kind of wounding where, where it's so explosive, but I had to, I had to bring it into myself and I had to find a way to make peace within myself and, and, and to, to break out of the polarizations of, you know, we're good, you're bad, blah, blah, all of mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I had to bring another kind of integration within myself. And, and, um, so you're become, well prepared yeah, to do all, the real dialogue the healing because you'll be healing. stepping into yeah. the war again, yeah. Yeah. but it'll be the live yeah. war yeah. in which you are actually entering yeah. into the yeah. conflict yeah. and it, it won't be the war that's already finished. It'll right. be the war right. as it's happening. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you're really prepared for stepping in to a dialogue that is emotionally conflictual. Right. And well, I'm not you, afraid. <laughs> well, you and you can see it from you will be able to see it. I think afterwards from an artistic perspective. Right. Well, I feel that that's what I've tried of, to do in my my film work as an imagist is to create that mirror where people through the viewing can have that experience. So, but it's but I work with pictures and I mm-hmm. work with image and I work with sound and music and and language comes in. You know, mm-hmm. right speech comes in. Mm-hmm. But I, but it certainly uh, resonates with with my own deeper understanding of, of what motivates me in the work I do in film and with the artists I work with. So I'm hoping yeah. then that you know as we move along, we will also be investigating um, and having on the podcast artists yes. and cultural yes. uh, cultural thought leaders who disagree with each other. Right. Right. And so we'll be going into those areas as well. Maybe, you know, in, an, in a, another podcast, we will be talking about some of the cultural applications of the work that we'll be doing in right. Real Dialogue. Right. And how it and, serves Real Dialogue. Right, yes. yeah. So oh, okay. it's a bright future, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eleanor. Okay, thank you, Polly. <laughs> well, this was fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening. And to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find past episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and CastBox. Enemies from War to Wisdom is recorded and produced by Chris Coltrane.